Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Nikosh with Denver Stiffs, <clears throat> and I can uh, barely talk to start off our show. Uh, <laughs> joining us today are our two co-hosts: are Mr. Ryan Blackburn in South Carolina and Mr. Evan Fiala in Dallas, Texas. I'll start with Ryan. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Not much. Uh, kidnappings have been happening uh, happening all over my apartment complex lately, so it's been it's been looking up. Wait, is that are you are you serious? No, I'm I'm dead serious. Uh, we had a bunch of stuff over three of the apartment complexes, including my own. Like, a few kids have been going around there and like holding people up at gunpoint and whatnot. What kind of what kind of crazy neighborhood do you live in, Ryan? Just living in the hood, baby. <laughs> in the hood. All right, well, <clears throat> keep your doors locked, I guess. Maybe the only advice I can give you. Um, Evan, hopefully hopefully, you've got it uh, quite not, not as rough of an area, though we have heard sirens over the pod before from your, from your area. No, I'm, I'm, I feel quite safe where I am. We've got, you know, gates and everything, securities here all the time. No, no one's getting kidnapped or held up that I know of, so... <laughs> Oh, that's only happened in Ryan's neighborhood. All right, yeah, I can't, I can't say um, in the in the in the rough streets of Milliken over here where I'm at either that we have too many too many kidnappings that I am aware of. Um, let me let me rephrase that by saying it's it happened like last week and it's just on the forefront of everybody's mind right now. So it's okay. It's really the only time that it's happened. Well, right, and, and I mean, we uh, we, should, we shouldn't actually poke fun of it. That's actually terrible, but, um, wow. No, it's okay. It's fine. Just make sure you don't walk by yourself at night, Ryan. We care about you. There you go, Ryan. Oh, I appreciate you. Always look out for those <laughs> those blue phones as well. <laughs> um, so, basketball. Yeah, so anyways, right? <laughs> we're off to a great start. Um, so yeah, so this, this week, uh, it's, it's another tough one, man. Unfortunately, we can't have Kyrie Irving ask for a trade every, uh, every single week to give us something to talk about. So, uh, 
we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna go kind of a little bit a little bit uh, more broad and general with our topics this week. I want to talk about I, Adam Silver did bring up something um, about the possibility of you know expansion in the NBA happening, and then uh, of course Seattle being a obvious city that they might might choose for that. Uh, so I want to get into that a little bit. I want to also talk about uh, I want to talk about Nuggets rivalries. I wrote an article this week. Uh, ranking every other team in the NBA in terms of wh- how they were a rival to the Nuggets. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of talk about Nuggets rivals, rivalries in general. And then I, I, I figure, since since it is so slow, one of the things I want to do is, last week we talked a lot about Emmanuel Moutier and, and what, what he needs to work on and if he is able to make a leap, what kind of effect that would have on the Nuggets. I think I'm going to want to keep that theme going. So this week I want to do the same thing. We're going to talk about Jamal Murray. Um, this time, because I think he's, in my opinion, he's one of the biggest keys, if not the biggest key, uh, to the Nuggets this season and their success. And then finally, uh, the Nuggets tweeted out a little a picture of of a box down there on the uh, on the Pepsi Center court. Um, we're we're gonna theorize what might be in that box, so we'll we'll get into that. And that will be the show. We're gonna keep it tight at one hour because Ryan has got to get to his Game of Thrones episode three. That is so does everybody else. Don't worry. <laughs> That's right. That is the hard timeline. I'm 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 right there with you. Um, so let's let's dive right in. Let's let's talk about it. So the first thing, expansion in the NBA. That's something. The, the last what was the last time they added a team would have been Charlotte, right? Back in um, back in the early two thousands. So obviously Seattle makes a lot of sense. Um, if they were going to do it, which which I, I don't know, I, there's the debate I think we can have there as well. Um, Ryan, would you, do you think that if they're, if they're going to expand, is, is Seattle almost a lock to be one of the team or one of the cities that they would go to? I think it has to be for more than a couple of reasons. One thing is that just the history of the basketball town there and so much so much great basketball has been played from Sean Kemp and uh, Gary Payton and even our George Carl days. But uh, we've, there's just great history in the city of Seattle, and there's a large market there for a lot of NBA basketball to be taken in. And it just makes geographical sense, too. Like, there are so many teams on the East, and it makes a lot more sense for a, another Western Conference team to be on the West Coast. Right. And I'm, I'm totally good with it. Evan, what about you? Would you Do you think Seattle would be the... the top spot for another NBA team if they did expansion? Yeah, I think they'd have to be, um, not only for the reasons that Ryan you know, described, but I think if they didn't choose Seattle, it would be a really bad PR move for the league in general. I think just from that standpoint alone, like you know there's a market there, you know there's fans that feel like they got screwed over beforehand with Oklahoma City. And you think they'd have to be at the top of the list, like and that Adam Silver would be doing anything possible to, to make something happen there, uh, just to kind of bring some goodwill back to that city after, you know, after all that happened. Right. Right, yeah, because it, it definitely was a shady kind of shady business deal that ended up with Oklahoma City, or with Seattle becoming Oklahoma City. Um, and I agree with both of you guys. There's, there's quite a bit of history there in Seattle. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense, and I, I think you, like kind of like what you said, Evan, you almost have to. Because man, the backlash if you didn't would be uh, would be noticeable. 
I think the way what they'd probably do is though is you'd almost have to have two teams, right? Because kind of like how you saw back when they expanded with um, the Raptors and the Grizzlies, one team in the West, one team in the East. That way you keep it balanced. Um, where else? Where would be an Eastern Conference team that you would go to, Ryan? If you if you have Seattle as one Western Conference, but you're going to add another team to the Eastern Conference, where would you might go with that? Uh, Eastern Conference is a little bit more difficult because I think. If, if we're talking about Western Conference and maybe realignment of one or two of the East, or one of the teams from the West to the East, Las Vegas makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, for the Eastern Conference specifically, uh, you could you could always try and take advantage of the Kentucky market. Uh, right. The uh, University of Kentucky is a major, major, major basketball town, and it's it would definitely be possible to get some of those fans there uh but it's also possible that it would flounder so another potential opportunity would be in pennsylvania uh because you could take a lot of the northeastern talent uh yeah pittsburgh would be the prime place i would say uh and then you could always do another team in florida though i'm not (laughs) sure how appealing that is There's, there's always players who want to go play out on the beach that is for sure. Yeah. Um, Evan, what about you? If you had to put a, pick a second team other than Seattle, where would it be? Uh, I mean, I was looking at a map earlier, and I can't really think of anything this is good for the East. Hardcore you know? research from Evan. You know, right here. you know, I like I like to be prepared. You know, um, <laughs> like me some maps. <laughs> I I thought Kentucky as well, but then I just couldn't see it being that successful. With you know, it's kind of tucked in the right, you know, right below Ohio and above Tennessee. I just think that would be a hard, hard market to kind of like slither its way into. St. Louis could be an option. That's a pretty good sports town, but it's also smaller. That would be my other plug, I guess. And if, if players love playing on the beach, you can always throw a team in Hawaii. There you go. Yeah, the, the only problem with Hawaii is you got the, the travel logistics. <laughs> no, yeah, that was, that was mostly a joke. <laughs> that'd be fun. What about, uh, what about Cincinnati? Cincinnati... Um. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you could. I, you just, um, well, there's a lot of reasons why not, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's it, it, it's as fair as like I guess any any other city. I I think I, I I'm with kind of some of you guys about when you say Kentucky because um, I think Louisville could probably uh could probably support an NBA team just because those people are basketball crazy uh, down there. Um, Don't you think it, they would just be like second fiddle to to Louisville and Kentucky and beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's true. But I mean, there's there's a lot of places. You look at a place like I mean, the Pacers do just fine in Indiana, where they're they're still definitely probably second fiddle to the Hoosiers. Um, so it is doable. Yeah, I uh, I think if you you try and figure like maybe you can get another Canadian team, like maybe Montreal or um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the maybe a Quebec you could to. do think about Calgary maybe. Yeah, exactly, something like that. It'd be interesting to see, but I think you would have to almost do two teams, and because like you were kind of talking about Ryan, though you you could almost do a realignment, right? You could, which is why you could bring in a West team like a Las Vegas. Las Vegas makes a lot of sense too. Um, everybody seems to be moving there right now, so might as well just hop on that party. 
Uh, I think they're just there are just so many reasons to start a realignment because Memphis is currently yeah exactly way way over there, and so is Minnesota. To be frank, like we have these teams that are currently located in the Western Conference that are infinitely closer to the Eastern Conference teams than teams like Seattle or teams like uh, Portland. Because if we were going to add a Seattle team, and you're asking a Memphis to play there four games a year, or not there, but like travel there twice during a road trip then that seems kind of absurd to me uh yeah i i can definitely see like a larger scale move going down with a with a conference realignment or maybe even a divisional realignment because when you add in two more teams we already have three divisions and they're five teams each right are you just going to add one team to each of the divisions or or how is that going to work yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. You almost go want to think, do you go to something like what the NFL has, where you have four divisions per conference instead of three, which you could do. Um, I don't know. I, honestly, honestly, I would do two divisions per conference. Just two uh, two big monster divisions. This is going, like going back to the – way back to almost the, the 70s, right? I would, uh, I would do – the Pacific Division and kind of, I, I wouldn't say the Mountain Division, but maybe the Desert Division uh, in the West and then just have a lot of the teams that are like in Texas and in Oklahoma City and and then move Memphis East and that'd be that. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, you figure like there's a way you could I always look at it, you could like maybe clump uh, you know, Phoenix in with uh, with maybe the Nuggets and the the Thunder and the Jazz, some sort of like you know you get that Midwest cluster right there. Maybe even have to put in Dallas or something like that. There, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you could go with it. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough to figure it out though because it's you also have to look at like one of the things that makes the NFL work so beautifully in their scheduling is that they have a 16 game schedule and they have 16. Um, teams per conference divided into four. Uh, I mean, everything is like a, a multiple of four. Basically, the math works out really well on it. Um, Except know. for the playoffs, where they have six teams. Yeah, exactly. They, that, that's <laughs> that's the truth. They they probably should go to eight. Um, that's just, <laughs> we're getting way off topic already. How do you guys like it? Broncos. <laughs> the um, Broncos. This is the we, we're changing the name of the pod to the uh, Orange and Blue podcast. Who, who's now. your quarterback? I hear Brandon Marshall was wearing Nugget socks earlier. <laughs> yes, we'll have that. We'll have a full breakdown up on DenverStitch.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. Um, <clears throat> so let's say I, one more thing I want to talk about in expansion, which I actually think is, is the more interesting uh, conversation here is if you you could only protect say you can only protect eight players on the roster um which i think i think we're probably all gonna agree i think seven of them we're all gonna probably agree on which is gonna be uh Jokic, murray harris chandler um Millsap. Millsap, right obviously so that's five um wancho wancho would be six yep and maybe uh, martin, martin. Maybe. Would probably yeah. be the seventh, maybe Beasley or Moutier. Well, so that's what I see to me. So then that's when I think you get to that eighth one. 
um, where you really have to uh, you really have to debate. So is it is it Beasley? Is it Moutier? Is it your rookie Tyler Lydon? Is it the guy you just traded for Trey Lyles? Is it your the, one of the better players on your team and Kenneth Fareed? Um, is it Mason Plumley, the the you know guy who's you just put a paid a pretty big price for last season? Uh, there's a ton of different guys you could go that which way. Which way would you go, Evan? Uh, I, I'd be torn between Moutier and Lyles. Um, so I'm looking like if this happened right now, where would the like the positions of need be right now? Yeah, Fareed is technically the backup power forward, but I don't know how good of a role that is for him. So maybe you let him go and see what Lyles can do. Um, or Moutier, you know, if he's going to be the backup point guard, we don't know if it's him or Nelson yet, but. Moutier still, you know, there's a chance he could still be good. Slim chance, maybe, but, you know, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think I'd probably yeah. go with Lyles in the end, though. <laughs> I see. I, I mean, I tend to almost agree that I would probably go Moutier um, just because you're right. This, there's still that tantalizingly high ceiling. He's still a very young player. Um, so, but, but so is Trey Lyles, which you bring up a great point. And I think those are the two guys I'd really be stuck, stuck between. Um... I think Tyler I'd be Lydon, I guess a little bit as Lydon, well. no. I, I I think I'd rather have Lyles than Moutier because you know if Moutier goes, there's still Nelson to play backup point guard. But if Lyles goes and Fareed stays, I don't know. I don't really like Fareed as the backup power forward. Yeah, that's that that's a fair fair way to look at it. Ryan, what about you? Uh, so okay, so we basically got the starting five that we already have uh, plus. Barton and Wancho. Wancho. Okay, so having a backup point guard is smart, of course. Uh, and there's also the factor that we, and we'll talk about this later in the podcast, of course, but we don't know if Jamal Murray is going to stick as the point guard of this team. There right. is no guarantee there. Uh, so having, I, and I hate to say this, but a fail safe in Moutier. Uh, would probably be a smart decision. Uh, I, I'm a little bit higher on Leiden than you guys are for, for that kind of group because I think that as we've seen uh, with his body type and just what he what he showed in Summer League, that he may be more of a three than he is a four, and we don't know if that's the case with Wancho. So I think it's possible that I would pick him as the eighth guy because if we're projecting Wacho to be the power forward of the future, then well, now we don't have a, a three if Chandler goes. Yeah, that mm. that is true. Though I, <laughs> not that it inspires much confidence, of course, but uh, I, I'm still I'm still higher on Leiden being a 36, 37, 38, 39 percent three point shooter. Oh yeah, uh, I'm shoot. just hoping that we don't get to the point where Leidens are starting forward oh yeah don't get me wrong i could be a rotation <laughs> player but yeah. in in the case of injury down the line hopefully years from now that sounds good fair enough fair enough right yeah i guess like i said he would be he would be i would give him some consideration along with moody and laos i think i think the point is, is is you're protecting we all seem to want to protect uh a guy we're looking into the future and a guy with uh youth um and a high ceiling we're not necessarily looking at the win now guy, which because if you were going for win now, the guy to protect would be Kenneth Free, um, who I don't know. Like I, I see what you say, Evan. I, I think um, 
I don't know how Fareed's going to like playing uh, a backup power forward role, which is why I would I probably would not protect him. Um, also, you know, he gets his contract is is okay, but if if you could get it off the books in comparison to a guy like Trey Lyles or or any of those guys, Lyles, Moody, or Lyden, they all make a lot less money. So that would be the other reason why I wouldn't. Why wouldn't it's interesting that none of us said Malik Beasley. Yeah, well, who's it's just well, yeah, that's kind of that is you're right. It's interesting because I would say who do you have more confidence in? And and really, Malik he's he's got as good a chance as any of those guys is panning out. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll it'll be interesting to see what he does. I, on on that roster, you've got Harris and Barton and potentially Murray as better shooting guard than point guard. So uh, it's it's obviously reasonable for Beasley to not be that guy. Uh, but with Barton on an expiring and uh, Harris about to get really really pricey, it it makes a little bit of sense to keep him around. Keep him around. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But if you only got eight, if you had ten. I'd probably you'd probably start thinking about Malik, but if we only got eight, um, I don't know for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. I guess you'd be just on the outside looking in. All right, well, I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's shift gears here. I want to talk about so I wanted to this talk about um, Nuggets rivalries because, uh, like I said, we got we don't got much going on in the way of news, um, but we did. We, I, I wrote an article about it just because, um, just kind of ranking everybody. From twenty nine to one, um, I, I one of the themes I, I had in the article though was that like there's really nobody the Nuggets because there's nobody there's no obvious answer to who is the biggest rival of the Nuggets whether you're talking about now or talking about all time um, they've they've never really been able to in my opinion been able to kind of win win meaningful games against the team consistently to make that team really look at the Nuggets as well. There's a lot of teams who beat the Nuggets consistently in important games. Um, but unfortunately in our history, not too many times where we've got them back. And that's why I think they have a real hard time actually saying anybody is their true rival. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Do you? Is there anybody you see that's like the true rival of the Nuggets? Well, obviously I'm 20 years old and I don't have as much background for older rivalries as somebody as old as Zach is. But, uh, uh, <laughs> it's easy now, right? Joking. <laughs> <laughs> joking. Uh, but the team that really sticks out in my mind over the past few years has been Oklahoma City. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with, as much, with as many times as the Nuggets have faced them in the division, with as many times as Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook have uh, continually made the Nuggets their enemies, I mean, we can all recall the story where Russell Westbrook, he prevented half-court shot from Rocky and made Rocky and a lot of Nuggets fans craving Chipotle or Chick-fil-A or Free Queso, whatever it was, uh, an enemy for life. Uh, but so, people were pissed. That's what matters. Right? <laughs> they, they really were. It was... But and obviously that that doesn't necessarily make a rivalry. But I remember back to the games in the in the 2012-2013 season when Ty Lawson hit that game winner. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments all time as a Nuggets fan uh, because of right. how dramatic that game was and how important that game was for the Nuggets. And it came against a huge rival in Westbrook and Durant, 
and the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think right, wasn't that, that wasn't had... that team like the they were what the Nuggets ended up the three seed that year, and I think wasn't that Oklahoma City they had to be the two or the one. Yeah, I think San Antonio was the other of those seeds, but I think yeah, I think San Antonio was the one seed, and OKC was the two seed that year. But I genuinely believe that if the Nuggets had come up into a playoff series with them, like and had been healthy that they would have given them a run for their money and that would have been a really really great series to watch and against either of those teams for that matter like the nuggets were a really good team that year uh, uh obviously things didn't end the correct way but in order like you said if in order for a rivalry to be complete the nuggets have to win those games and they i don't think they won enough games against Oklahoma City to make it a true rivalry but nuggets fans surely do hate the thunder yeah. You know, what's, so what's kind of interesting, too, about the Thunder is that the Nuggets, I mean, they played them It's uh, in the playoffs. It was not uh, not all that, well, I guess it would be, what, what was the year? It was the year Melo was traded. It was like, it was like 2011. 2011. Yeah, right, right. So, um, and that's why I think it kind of gets forgotten is because it was the year that Melo got traded. You had all these, you know, I mean, Gallinari, Chandler, Mozgov, Felton, all these new pieces. Nobody, it was a total change in everything that the Nuggets have been doing for the past decade. Um, and, and Did you know that Daniil Gallinari didn't play that series? I did not. I mean, I, that seems to make sense. I don't remember that, though. See, I, I can look it up, but I was looking up stats recently, just how Gallo uh, came into the Nuggets season uh, and whatnot, like, like when he was traded. Uh, let me take a look at the, his game logs really quickly because mm. when I when I looked at it, I seem to remember that he didn't play this in those is, playoffs. This is, this is grade A podcast. Oh, just kidding, just no, kidding. He yeah, did he play didn't. in the playoffs, yeah. but he didn't do anything. Oh, okay. Uh, he, yeah, that was. Yeah, All maybe right. it was well, Wilson so... who didn't play. Grade A, grade A. Here we go. <laughs> um. Evan, what, what about you, man? Like, who would you think is is the the biggest rival that you remember for the Nuggets? Well, what I remember is everyone wanting there to be a rivalry between the Lakers and the Spurs in like the two thousands. Right. But when you're the Nuggets and you go combined four and sixteen against them and don't win a single series, it doesn't really work out in your favor to be a rivalry. Like I remember Lakers fans just kind of like scoffing at that idea. Right. Just like. You know, like, oh, yeah, you think we're rivals. We don't even actually care about you. Like, for them, it's just, okay, Denver might win one game. We'll sweep them, and then on to the next round on our way to the to the right. finals, you know. Exactly. So, if you think they'd have to have beaten the Lakers, like, in the in – the, if they had beat them in that Western Conference Finals, that probably would have made it different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But up until then, there was – there's nothing. And when you're losing every first round, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of – pinpoint a single team that you like face every year or whatever um exactly. the other team that kind of like makes sense geographically is utah but i mean so in my opinion you for rivalry you need to be in the playoffs against each other at least once mm-hmm. denver played utah in the playoffs lost and that was it both teams kind of rebuild since then went on a rebuild since then so right. i don't really see see them being a rival either um but yeah, like right now, I think it's kind of it's kind of up for grabs. Right. Yeah. That so the Utah one is interesting too because they that's another one where it almost gets lost. 
um, in the histories because that was the year George Carl, of course, had cancer, and so he wasn't there mm-hmm. to coach um, that team. That was that was another one of those. That was to me one of the more painful. Uh, it's one of the most painful playoff losses that the Nuggets have had when in the George Carl era. It's right up there with losing to like Golden State or the Clippers because it was they should have won that series. They were the okay. better. I honestly believe they were the better team. Um, but because they, they had Adrian Dantley coaching for them, they couldn't, you know. You mean Adrian well, Dantley they, sitting on the bench? Yeah, they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't stop just Carlos Boozer and Darren Williams the whole, for 48 minutes. Weren't they the, uh, going into that, like, when, when Carl went down with, with his cancer treatments, weren't they the first or second seed? They were in the second slot, yep. Yeah, so they, they dropped off a cliff after that, yep. and uh, Dantley couldn't save anything, so... I think that would have been good for the like a Lakers rivalry too if they could have gone past Utah or if like if Carl was still there, that would have really right. fueled things on that end because I think they would have met up with each other again. I think that also would have helped the Lakers rivalry too is if they had been able to beat them back in uh, 2012 when they took them they got them all the way to Game Seven in that first mm-hmm. round and then they um, they could have lost. Yeah. Of course, the Lakers started falling off a cliff after that, so it might not have mattered. I think that one funny, th- uh, interesting thing. And it's interesting to me because you guys are both younger than me. Um, that I I tend to think of Utah quite a bit more uh, as a rivalry because I remember that losing to them back in 1994. Everybody, of course, remembers the Nuggets beating the Sonics the first time an eight seed beats a number one seed, and that was they created they made history. Uh, they almost made history twice in that playoffs because they in the second round they played Utah. They went down three games to nothing. They got all the way back and forced the game seven. Uh, and then they got blown out in Utah in Game Seven, but um, that was, was that, that was, was that the part- series when uh, when Utah's owner like pushed a Nuggets fan or something. I think so. I, th- I think I remember hearing about that. <laughs> I was uh, I was still yeah, I was a young guy, man. I was probably about like nine or ten. Um, so that one that was a heartbreaker for me. Um, and yeah. I just always I remember I always hated Utah. And it's it's funny in comparison to Oklahoma City. I was thinking about this today. Um, I was there when when Russell Westbrook broke Oscar Robertson's record, um, and and though you know obviously the whole crowd was like cheering for him, and even even myself when I was I was watching him happen, I said this is kind of really cool to see happen. Um, I remember watching John Stockton broke the all time assist record against uh, the Nuggets. He passed Magic Johnson's record, and I remember, man, I hated that he broke it. I was I was watching that game on the edge of my seat, and every time I got an assist. I was getting angry at the scorekeepers because I thought they were giving it to him, giving some pretty soft assists sometimes. Uh, and it's just so funny to look how different it is now in comparison. That um, there's like no, I don't have. See, I don't have that hate for Oklahoma City at all. But Utah, there's still there's just still something there about Utah that I don't know. I would think um, makes them one of the biggest rivals in my mind. Yeah, I don't like Utah either, to be honest. And it, it's the worst thing ever, you know, living there. So having everyone find out you're a Nuggets fan, and the first thing they say is, "Oh, thanks for Gobert. He's really right. helped out, like stuff like that." And then, like you know, then giving them Donovan Mitchell doesn't help much either. So, uh, well, yeah, it's rough. There's still time that there's there's we'll still see on uh, on Donovan Mitchell. Jury's still out. When it is just so yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon to be. Uh, the mainstays in the Nuggets rotation in future <laughs> yes. years. Yes, yes, you're gonna dominate them with nothing but corner threes. I can't wait. Um, it's interesting that nobody said nobody said Portland because I think I think if like I don't know if you guys would agree, but I would say right now if I said okay, who you were gonna think is going to has the most 
biggest or best chance to become the Nuggets rival, I would say it was it's probably Portland just because of Nurkic. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Right now, definitely. Right now, I hate Portland. Right. <laughs> There's. It's just so so annoying, and it's compounded by the fact that. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have repeatedly pined for better players Every over social media. Too, right? Like it's like, hey, Paul George is available. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are photoshopping jerseys onto Paul George's body in a in a Blazers right. uniform. Yeah, and right. they, did that, they did it for Carmelo where, too. Yeah, yeah, they did it for Carmelo. They've done it for other players too. It's to the point where Mo Harkless, who's on that team currently and would be replaced, he he was like sending out vague tweets like it was saying like message and that was that was the only word that he said so <laughs> clearly he's he's got the message like he understands like you what his standing is on that team right now which yeah. is absurd so i think what it would have to take though for like it to actually become rivalry is like the nuggets would have to I, I mean the blazers i expect to be right there right in that in the in the really the 5 to 8 uh 5 to 10 or so seeds in in the West, and I think if the Nuggets were the team to kind of knock them off, because really the the I mean, granted it was Oklahoma City who finally eliminated Denver from the playoff contention this year, but it was really that loss to the Blazers that was was the nail in that the sealed their fate. Yeah, right. So I think if the Nuggets could return favor, because like I said, they they have to they have to like start beating somebody. They, the Nuggets unfortunately have been on the wrong end of uh, of most everything when it comes to playoffs or, or otherwise so they've got to start getting what, some victories and then maybe it'll change um, alright we'll tell you what we, we'll go ahead we will take a break and then when we come back we'll get into Jamal Murray and then we will talk about a UPS box this is prime off season podcasting right here. so we'll be right back all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Turn around, but I know that I can. 
Hey everybody, Zach from Denver Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com, that's P-O-R-T-E-R-L-O-R-I dot format.com. Give him a listen. back to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zachary Kosh from DenverStiffs.com. Our co-hosts today, Ryan Blackburn and Evan Fiala. We were talking, uh, we talked a little bit about the expansion or potential expansion um, of the NBA and who might the Nuggets protect. Uh, and then we also got into Nuggets rivalries in the first half of the show. The second half, we're going to do something. So last week we did, uh, we kind of broke down Emmanuel Moutier. We talked about um, what he needed to improve upon, um, whether or not he was, he was you th- thought he still had a chance to make it, and then if he did make it, you know how what how would that affect the Nuggets' outlook? So I want to kind of keep with that theme. This time we're going to talk about Jamal Murray, and then maybe next week you know we'll do something like Nicole Jokic or Juancho Hernan Gomez, so on and so forth. Um, at least until somebody we have some better stuff to talk about for uh, for the podcast, which is uh, what training camp is. Still about a month and a half away, so we got right. some time. Hopefully, we hopefully we can discuss new jerseys. Hopefully, we or can. Maybe, or maybe Danilo Gallinari's hand appointment. <laughs> yes, excellent. Uh, Gallo's out playing in Italy right now, right in the in Eurobasket. I think I saw that on Twitter. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what they did what they get moron. eliminated already? Or did no, you not I mean, see well, the news, Zach? No, I haven't. What, what, he see, punched. Is... He punched some dude in the face and broke it. He like fractured his hand. Oh, I, see, you got it, so it's just a Clippers thing. That's just what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> yeah, really. I he he was asked by Doc Rivers to to bond with Blake Griffin, and so this is this is the way that he did it. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, look, Blake although, can do that. yeah." Although there were there were like conflicting reports. Like I think Woj said it was just his thumb or something, but someone some Euro site was saying it was his fractured his whole hand but either way like he's hurt so and so out. he's out of euro basket yeah. now <laughs> and it was just like i don't think it was the actual tournament thing it was just like an exhibition game like leading oh. up to it it's pete gallo right there yeah. man that would be that you know what that's an interesting that's an interesting thing though because if he's out for a long time um that i mean blake griffin's not it's supposed to be out till like december at least as well so uh, the, the reports on both of those guys is that they'll probably be back by training camp at this point. So I, I certainly, I mean, you don't ever hope that they're out for that long, but I mean, they could miss the first ten games if they wanted to and go down two and eight. But uh, I, I doubt that it happens. I think both of them will be ready. Yeah, yeah. You never know. I mean, though, because like they, you know, 
Darrell Arthur is supposed to be ready by training camp every year, and then um, he ends up never playing until about December first. So I think that's right, happened maybe. with Blake too, but it's like he's all his timeline's always a lot longer than initially reported. But anyways, that's fair. Anyways, that's fair. all right, enough about Gallo um, and Clippers dudes punching dudes in the face. That's two times a pattern, I guess. Uh, let's get into Jamal Murray. Um, so the first, the first question I want to talk to you about Jamal Murray, I'll go to you, Evan, first. Is is Jamal Murray the point guard of the future? Because I think last year, if there was one thing I was going to be critical about with him, is that he didn't look very comfortable running the offense um, and being the initiator. He looked a lot more comfortable off ball than he did on ball. Do you think that he's can the Nuggets rely on him to be their point guard of the future, or is he more always going to be a two guard? I think they're certainly leaning that way, but again, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to go in and say 100% he is, because I agree with you, when he did play starting point guard, uh, you know, the few games he did last season, I, I, you know, I agree, I don't think he was super confident in it, Um, he certainly played better off ball, like you said, Uh, but I think you know, all signs are kind of pointing down that road that he will be, um, at least this season, you'd think he'd get a really good shot at maybe getting some more playing time in that position and kind of understanding how how it works, the ins and outs of it. Because, you know, it's definitely a tough position to learn, especially as a you know a 20-year-old. Right. Um, so I think he'll be given the opportunity for sure to, to be the point guard of the future. But I also think it's interesting that this offseason, pretty much every rumor – for big time trades or free agents, there was always, you know, some point guard involved, Hill, right. Bledsoe, Irving, you know. So I don't think they really, you know, if, if Denver's in win now mode, uh, I don't necessarily see them rolling with Murray if that's what their goal really is. Um, but, you know, three or four years from now, for sure, I think he could be. Yeah, that's, a, you know, that's a great point that you bring up because they, they have been, they were linked to Bledsoe. Um, at, uh, at specifically on draft night, uh, there was there was some chatter there. They were linked to George Hill uh, in early on in free agency. They were linked to um, Kyrie Irving in somewhat, or at least that it's been assumed that they were one of the twenty teams to at least inquire um, about it. So it certainly looks like that they they want to upgrade their play at the point guard position. Ryan, what do you think? Do you think that means that maybe Jamal isn't the point guard of the future for the Nuggets? No, I think it maybe it maybe means he's not the point guard of the present, but uh I think there's a major distinction there that the guys that you're talking about, uh George Hill, Kyrie Kyrie is in himself the present and future because of his age right now. Right. But uh but Guys like George Hill, uh, Bledsoe, uh, they were initially linked to Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul before those moves happened. Uh, those are short-term solutions. They're not. They're not in any way moves that would prevent Jamal Murray from seeing the point guard position at least in a bench role, and then eventually moving into a starting position. So. I think that they still see him as a huge, huge part of their future, and it's clear that based off of the the reports that we've heard about whether they would give up Jamal Murray or not, that they still clearly value his services. 
So right, that's true. I think, and if if they do value Gary Harris, then you can't just say okay, both of you guys are going to play shooting guard because one of the, one of them's going to have to play point guard or one of them's going to have to play small forward if they want them on the court at the same time. So Jamal Murray's the more natural fit at point guard uh, than Gary Harris is as a three. So I think that it's more of by necessity, but he could also develop into a guy that kind of hits the 20 points, six assists, four rebounds mark uh, on reasonable percentages. Uh, whether that's efficient is another question, but we'll see. Right. Yeah, you know, I was just looking up, I was just thinking of this. Um, so Ty Lawson did not start until halfway through his, until basically the mellow trade, which was halfway through his um, sophomore season. So it's it's not, you know, there's an example of a guy who it took him a little bit of time before he was finally really ready to be given the reins. And of course, then um, after that, he was very successful for, for a few years until it went off the rails well, for others. To, to be fair... To be fair, the guy who he was replacing was Chauncey Billups, and he wasn't exactly going to start over him. Yeah. Chauncey's solid player. He was still a top 10 point guard at that time, so there was no reason to change anything up. Are you saying Jameer Nelson is not a top 10 point guard? Is that what you're... What? No. <laughs> right was was no he on your way. rankings, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was in the low 20s, I think 28. 28. There you go. Um, Jamal Jamal would have been at about forty five, and uh, Moutier was at forty four. Gotcha. Go. All right. Well, so um, uh, Ryan, let me ask you this: so what? So what then does Jamal need to to work on the most to be uh, to be higher than forty fifth ranked on on your rankings? Well. He was not efficient, and naturally all rookies are going to be lower because they don't have the, the requisite efficiency to be ranked higher. Uh, but one of the reasons that he was so low on those rankings is because of his combination of usage rate and assist rate. He just wasn't as involved as an off-ball player, and that kind of naturally happens with, with guys that naturally play shooting guard. I think he he will definitely rise up those rankings as he gets more involved in the offense, and if he can maintain the same efficiency over a larger load, then I think he'll probably be ranked in the in the top thirty for sure. Uh, the top twenty is another question. I think he can needs to continue to get more efficient, but I don't think that's necessarily out of the question either. So, if he's start if he's the starting point guard and he does well. I, I don't necessarily see a reason why he can't jump into the top 20 by the end of next season, which I think would be a great, great step for him. Uh, top 10, that's that's a major leap, given where the point guard position has, is at now. He would need to be a 20-6 and six guy with 40% three-point shooting in all likelihood. Right. Yeah, it would, and they don't need him. I mean, top ten, top ten would be amazing. That would, um, boy, that would go a long way. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, but I want to get Evan. I want to get your opinion on this as well. What do you think Murray's got to work on the most to to take that next leap for the Nuggets? Um, well, if we're talking about you know as a as a point guard, just kind of the leadership aspect would be nice. Familiarity running the team, running the offense. Um, you know, getting more involved, like you're saying, Ryan, as well as keeping his you know shooting percentages up because they're going to rely on him to score a lot. 
yeah. you know, pre- predictably he's going to struggle. I think he's going to struggle more this year than a lot of people are hoping for or thinking. Um, if he is the starting point guard, so that'll there. You know, the learning curve will won't be in his favor quite yet. I don't think, but as long as he keeps improving, you know, he looks to be in great shape right now, even after his his surgery a few months ago. Um, he's definitely more athletic than that I originally thought he would be. He's uh, dunking over guys. Yeah, so you know, I think he's in he's on a great track right now and to to really, you know, take it to the next level and as long as he keeps improving just by himself, I think the Nuggets will be getting better as well with that. So yeah, I mean, what, what does that do for the Nuggets? If if Jamal Murray, let's say he takes the, the next step to becoming a a borderline all star, maybe not quite, kind of like where Gary oh, Harris is, is right now, you know. Um, Evan, where does that where does that take the Nuggets? Does that make them easily a perennial playoff team? Um, like you're talking about this next season. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, okay, so like next season he he becomes kind of like like where Gary Harris is at right now, and then he keeps kind of improving, I guess, to become to that the point where he's a, he's a guy who maybe isn't making the playoffs or, or sorry the the All Star game every year, kind of like a, a Gallo, a guy, yeah. but who's a, a huge, still a huge part of the team. Um, yeah, I think I think that definitely makes him a playoff team, a perennial playoff team. Um, you know, puts him in a great shape. Just not even now, but in the future as well. I think you look at the Nuggets now, you know, I've got Jokic and Millsap and Harris are the three kind of like shoeing guys for, I guess Chandler too, if you're counting him. Like their starting lineup is pretty good, but then there's still kind of a question mark at point guard with with who it'll be. And if, if Murray does take that step, I think definitely they'll make the playoffs this year and be set up for for the future as well. Ryan, what about you, man? Do you think if if Murray becomes the like the next kind of all star type player for the Nuggets, that that makes them a perennial playoff team? If if he makes that kind of leap to where Gary Harris is right now, I don't see any reason why he can't compete. Why they can't compete for a fifth or a sixth seed next yeah. year? There's no reason in my mind. Like if he doesn't improve at all and he just does what he did in the last five games of the season last year. And uh, obviously that's an incredibly small sample size, and you can expect some <laughs> regression there. But if he just is that player, then I think that the Nuggets are in the playoffs right now as a 7 or 8 seed. If he makes improvements, then 5th or 6th seed I think is not just possible, but honestly probable. Like, they, they upgraded their rotation. They... With the addition of Paul Millsap as a 32-minute-per-game guy who's going to be in the lineup for 70-plus games, something that you couldn't say with a guy like Gallo or a guy like Farid anymore, you're going to have an upgraded defense, the same level of offense, and now you're talking about a dynamic threat from the point guard position who's not Jameer Nelson or Emmanuel Moutier? That, to me, seems like gravy. Right. Yeah, see, this is... To me, this is why I wanted to talk about Murray because he is, in my mind, is such a key component to to the Nuggets being coming, getting really getting back to where they were um, in the Mellow era, which is a team that was making the playoffs every year. And you're hoping, you know, are they going to get a whole first round um, a home advantage in the first round? Are they going to have potentially a long run? Obviously, the Nuggets didn't have that a lot back in the Mellow era, but you always you always had that hope that they would compete for that every year. 
if they want to get back to that, I think it's really dependent a lot on what happens with Jamal Murray and whether or not he can become a guy who's somebody who's thought about as an all-star every season or at least close to being an all-star every season because that is something they don't they really lack creation um, from the wing now especially with Gallo gone you've got Wilson Chandler and you've got Will Barton but both of those guys are on expiring deals so who knows long term how if they're going to be here or not so Jamal is really that one guy I think because I think we've seen Wancho is shaky um, at least creating with the ball in his hands from from the wings. Jamal's the one guy who they really need to fill that role, and it's a vital role in the playoffs. You, you can't show me one team in the playoffs uh, who didn't end up winning or who won, who didn't end up having a, a wing player who could create offense for himself and for others. Uh, most, <laughs> most championship teams, that's actually the number one guy on their roster. Um, so th- and and there's a there's an important distinction there. It's creating off the dribble, right? Exactly. You have a guy like Jokic who can create out of the high post and the low post, but it's creating off the dribble. Like the the Warriors have a guy in Draymond Green who can do what Jokic does and create out of the high post and create out of the low post, but they still have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Right. Can, exactly. Those are the guys creating off the dribble and creating those mismatches. That that's where their team is based off of. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's whether it's um, those guys or it's it's LeBron James or it's Kobe Bryant or it's Michael Jordan or I mean you go back, go back through time all these the great teams all have that guy um, or they have multiple guys who can do that the Nuggets don't really have anybody at least nobody you would even consider being great or close to it Jamal Murray though does he might have a ceiling that high um, that if he could get there. I think I'm I'm very high in Jamal Murray, so I think he could potentially even take them to, um, you know, a, a team who competes to at least get to the conference finals and get get you know swept by the Warriors. But hey, that's that's where we're at. That'd right be awesome. Now. Yeah, right. It'd be <laughs> it'd be way better than where we're at right now. Um, all right, tell you what, we'll go into the final segment because um, I think we're and we're looking pretty good on time. So this is this is working out perfect. Woo-hoo! So. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones is 20 minutes away. All right. Um, you're not pre-gaming for that, Ryan? Oh, you're not yeah, pre-gaming with that mac, that mac and cheese and, and pizza rolls, baby. <laughs> he's, he's got the oven preheated. Uh, <laughs> he is ready. Um, okay, so the Nuggets, the Nuggets tweeted out an interesting photo um, earlier this week. It is a photo of a UPS box, I would say. Oh, maybe about two inches or two feet long by about two to four inches thick by about, you know, maybe 18 inches wide. A very, um, uh, a box that, that could certainly have clothing or apparel in it. Let's put it that way. Um, Evan, what do you think? What's in the box? Is it, is it, I guess I think we all probably are guessing jerseys. Is that what you think it is? Yeah, I think it's pretty... Obvious, right? <laughs> Given the whole the whole Nike thing, exactly. So, do you think do you think it's going to be full brand new jersey redesign, or do you think it's going to be like, all right, we just kind of here's like a you know, I mean, they did like new jerseys two years ago, and they but all they did was change the font color. Do you think it's a minor change like that, or do you think we're going full bore? I really, 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 really want it to be full, you know, full new everything. 
Right. But until I see it happens, there's been so many times in the past where I've been disappointed by stuff the Nuggets do. I'm I'm <laughs> setting myself up for, you know, I'm going to expect it to just be the same, same, you know, powder blue, white jerseys with a Nike logo on instead of Adidas. That's what I'm expecting so I can be either pleasantly surprised or not as quite as disappointed. Just, oh my god, that would suck. Victor, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's oh, that's the funny thing, though, is right because the Nike Nike jerseys have there's four designs, and the Nuggets have four um, jersey designs. So maybe that that the How big convenient. reveal is they drop the sleeves off the white gold. Yeah, that'd be nice too. Like that'd be really cool. Yeah, I I totally agree with you guys. I I would love to see them. We we kind of mentioned this briefly in our Slack chat, but I'd I'd love to see them change up the colors a little bit uh obviously the the baby blues are not nuggets colors like that that era is mostly done it's the carmelo era right so like let's just move on from it yeah i i think that there there's a very reasonable reasonable uh thought process in building around nikola Jokic and centering kind of your your brand around a new player right uh, the first jersey that they should be showcasing is a Nikola Jokic new Nike jersey right uh, whether that's a white gold with the sleeves not ripped off or it's something completely new I just don't want to see them screw this up because <laughs> this is such a great opportunity for them to rebrand and be excited and and generate so much more following off of just such a, a small minor thing like it, you don't have to try that hard but if you do then you're going to gain a lot of new followers uh i i would love to see them kind of change their shade of blue uh hopefully to something a little bit like maybe more of an ice blue as opposed to a baby blue right uh which isn't a major change but like and and then either do a skyline design or a mountain design on the jersey and that be it. That's all it is. Yeah, I, I could see that, and that that would be you know keep it simple, but also kind of uh, you know a more clean looking design. Because if there's one thing you could say, if you're gonna ever criticize the skyline um, jersey, it's it is a bit busy with all the colors and, and blocks and everything. So that's true. Uh, which I'm sure now, the, if anybody who listens to this pod all the way through is gonna be commenting, you blasphemy. But. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm with. I'm obviously I agree with you guys. I think they're definitely gonna. It's definitely gonna be a jersey in there. Cause what? <laughs> what if it was a flag? Uh, that would make me sad. Uh, Dan <laughs> I, had a, had an excellent tweet earlier on uh, on Twitter, obviously, and it was, "Hey, what's in the box?" And then he showed a picture of the Portland Trailblazers uh, Denver Nuggets box score on March 28th, and then a <laughs> Nurk smiley face. Uh, it was just like the biggest troll job and like that's I could see them doing something so absurd that like it wouldn't be jerseys and then that would be the meme of the century for the Nuggets it's a flag for the players to hold up while like there's a PowerPoint presentation in the background showing what the the powder blue jerseys with the Nike logo look like (laughs) oh my god oh (laughs) Oh my god Uh, like one of those one of those virtual design like tours of like like it circles around and whatnot. It just looks so awful. 
Uh, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Right. That's all we can. That's all we can hope. I want to. Let me ask you guys one one thing about um about the jerseys. Would you be okay if they dropped yellow or gold? If there was no like no yellow or gold color in there, Evan, I'll ask you first. Uh yes. Oh. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. All right, Ryan. What I, about you? I, I mean, like I in terms of like trimming, I I like the yellow, but I've never really been a fan of the. The yellow jerseys they have right now they came out with a few years ago right, right. i'd be yeah, totally I'd... fine them dropping that the trimming like if they found a better color scheme to go go along with whatever blue or whatever they're going with assuming they keep blue um then then yeah but i think i'd definitely be okay with them dropping the actual jersey that's yellow ryan what about you i, I kind of agree i i'm not really a fan of the gold uh, especially when those jerseys came out, a lot of people, like, it was a really polarizing jersey when it came out, and it's kind of stuck that way. Like, you either kind of love it or you hate it. Uh, I do like that it's it has the Skyline design on it, but when you, when you, add, when you attach a mustard yellow color to it, <laughs> it, it just kind of looks gross. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, a, a for effort, but kind of D minus for execution on that end. D minus uh, for execution. I if if I was to choose colors like it's either that ice blue or a white I would I'd love to see them do a black jersey and call it the black ice jersey uh, because how uh, how often have you in Colorado been struck with black ice? And <laughs> they also yeah, right. and, yeah. <laughs> they'll have so, the I just make it real make it make jersey. it an attachment to the make it an attachment to the city like it could hell change it to green because there's so many evergreen trees around i don't care just oh. do something that's yeah. a little bit it and uh, it sounds weird don't get me wrong but i could see them actually doing something a little bit different than what they've been doing now and like completely changing the color scheme i don't see i i can't agree with you guys that they they, they have to keep some sort of yellow or gold because they're called the nuggets like the i mean what else you yeah. like, Gold is kind of it's right there in the name almost. It's it's just understood. That they no, just... because if they if they change it to the Nuggets and change the color to green, then there's there's certainly a precedent <laughs> right. for that. All right, <laughs> you know, they're not going to change it to green. What kind of that, what kind of crazy uh, <laughs> jersey sponsorships could they get? Then, um, hey, if it's mm, a money thing, if it, there you go. Uh, reach the new, I don't uh, think. New target market. Uh, I'll just say right now, I don't think that's the direction they're going. In the, uh, change the change the meaning of nuggets to something that's green. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll we're going to end strong with that right there. So, um, as always, I want you guys to check us out at denverstiffs.com um, and then on Twitter at denverstiffs. Ryan is e. E.E. E. Fiala, right? Evan is E.E. E. Fiala. Oh, all right. Yeah, Evan is E.E. Fiala. Ryan is, Ryan is Ryan Blackburn 9, but um, if you want to tweet Evan and, and talk about Ryan, that's cool, too. Nobody has a problem with that. Um, Lots of people want to talk about Ryan. <laughs> everybody wants to talk about Ryan. He's just the dude right now. Uh, not really. Sorry, Ryan. Um <laughs> We're on Instagram and at the Denver Stiffs. Also, always check us out on Facebook. We like to do some stuff on Facebook and on Instagram that's a little bit unique that you won't see on Twitter or that you won't even necessarily see up on the Denver Stiffs page. So you want to follow us over there. 
And then, of course, subscribe on iTunes or whatever your podcast app is or preference is when you can find the Pickaxe Podcast there. So, all right, guys, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.